0: Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. This morning. Can we give that praise to the Lord right now? Can we just worship the Lord? Are you happy to be in the house of God this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When I was um, a kid growing up in the church, all I ever wanted to do was play the drums. Um, And it's it's a ton of fun. I still remember my first time ever playing drums. I cut my finger while I was playing, and uh, there was a lot of blood on the snare drum after I was done playing. And I had six blisters all over my hands, so anyway, it's a ton of fun. Battle wounds. If you don't if you're not getting hurt playing drums, you're not doing it right. Amen. Amen, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from the the book of Luke chapter one, verse number eight through thirteen. We're going to be reading from the New King James Version, Luke chapter one, verse eight through thirteen. This is the um, opening of the Gospel, Gospel of Luke. And before, before you get the story of, of Jesus' birth, you get the, the story of um, how John the Baptist's birth came about. So we're going to just kind of be looking at that. Verse 8, Luke chapter 1, it says, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division. This is talking about Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's father. According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Zacharias. For your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. just want to preach from the subject this morning. Jesus will meet you there. Jesus will meet you there. Let's pray before we go into the word. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for all Jesus, these people that are gathered here this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak to us, Jesus. God, I pray that it would ignite a fire, Lord Jesus, in our souls, Lord Jesus, and that we go from this house today, Jesus, that we would be reminded of your word, God, and how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. I remember being eight years old and the... The very first time I ever met God, if you will, in prayer. It was at a a kids camp, junior camp as they call it in Missouri, at the old Urshan Gateway campus. Um, if you've never been there, it's a beautiful facility with stained glass windows and, and wooden pews, and it, it's just a beautiful beautiful chapel there. They're at a new campus now, but I remember... I remember being eight years old and the message was preached. I remember there was there was a rubber chicken in the message. And I'm not sure how he ended up turning that around to, you know, get little kids to come to the altar. It's amazing how kids' messages they can, you know, have fun, and then at the last second, they have the one-two punch, and you know, pretty soon kids are getting the Holy Ghost, and it's it's just amazing. But I remember hearing the word. Being preached. And this is an eight-year, eight-year-old boy. I just remember walking down um, to the altar. I got the Holy Ghost when I was six. So I had that experience with God. But this is just a different, different kind of experience. I was just going to talk to Jesus. And I remember I was I was on my knees and, and praying, and I just had this image in my mind, just as a little kid. I, I remember seeing God's hands just like this. And I remember just seeing myself in the hands of God, as an eight-year-old boy. And I never forget, forgot that. And from then on, it just I always would go back to that moment as I was growing up as a little kid and remembering that God, I was in his hands. And that was the first time I ever met God in prayer. And so going back to the story that we read at the beginning, Zacharias, he was a Jewish man from the family of Abijah, which is to say that he was from the tribe of Levi. All the Jewish people descended, had a descendant. And the priests of the Jewish people during this time were from the tribe of Levi. So Zacharias, he, he was a priest. And the Bible also says that Zacharias had a wife and his, her name was Elizabeth. And it says that they were righteous before God. They walked in the commandments and the ordinances of God for the Jewish people. Zacharias and Elizabeth were simply just good, God-fearing people as he was a priest before God. But the unfortunate thing that Scripture tells us about Zacharias and Elizabeth is that they had no children. Elizabeth was barren. And the Bible tells us that Zacharias and Elizabeth were both well advanced in years, meaning that they were they were an older couple at the time of this story. And this this is a very it's a very harsh reality for Zacharias and Elizabeth to be to be married for so long and and unfortunately have no children. I can't imagine how many you know, years went by, you know, hoping that one day they might have a child. But it was the Jewish custom of the day for incense to be offered to God by the priests every Monday or every morning and every evening. The priests would go into the temple and, and offer incense up to the Lord and in prayer. And this specific day in the story in Luke chapter one, it was Zacharias's lot to burn incense before the Lord. They drew lots and it was Zacharias' turn to burn incense before the Lord. And at this time, this was a very, it was a huge honor to be able to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense and pray before God. Because during this time in the Old Testament, the presence of the Lord dwelt inside the temple. They didn't have the Holy Spirit as we know now, but the Spirit of God, the very presence of God was in the temple. So Zacharias, he's, he's in the temple doing his, his priestly duty of, of burning incense before the Lord, and it seems that Zacharias seized the opportunity to pray while he was in the temple. You know, he, he's got this chance to, to be before God in the temple, knowing that the very presence of God is there. God is hovering over the temple. His presence is there, and he's, he seems to take up this opportunity. To pray. And so I'm just I'm just kind of you know wondering, you know, what, what sort of things was was Zacharias praying for, you know, while he was burning incense before the Lord? He he might have prayed over his nation, he, he might have prayed over, you know, his friends and family, he might have prayed for the Messiah to come to save his people. It could it could have been a number of different things that Zacharias was praying for during this day. The one thing we do know, and it was it was that issue that had been pressing on his heart for many, many, many years. He was praying for him and his wife to have a child, and as as he's praying, he's just pacing back and forth, burning the incense before the Lord, just just talking to the Lord, be, doing his priestly duty, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, the angel appears and says to him, "Do not." be afraid for your prayer has been heard and your wife will bear a son and you shall call his name John. I don't know how long Zacharias must have been praying for a child. It could have been decades. And it just goes to show that your prayers never die. Once you offer up a prayer to God. It doesn't matter. The prayers are there. It's been, I've heard a comparison of prayer as they're like the angel's age. Angels are created beings. They had a definite beginning, but they seem to be eternal, immortal in the Bible. And that's just like your prayers. They have a definite beginning, but they have no ending. Sometimes you don't even know how far your prayers have reached until many, many, many years later. And so the angel appears to Zacharias. He says, your prayer has been heard and you and your wife will bear a son and you shall call his name John. God met Zacharias there. This had been troubling, this issue had been troubling him for so long long he's pouring out his heart to God God I don't want to have to pray this one more time but I'm just going to go before you and I'm just going to pray God if you would please grant me and my wife a son I know I'm an old man I don't even know how it's going to all happen or all work out God but just please all of a sudden God met him there in an instant he wasn't there in an instant the angel came and said your prayer has been heard God ministered to Zacharias he stepped in in his situation And we'll put a pen in Zacharias right there and we'll come back to him later. But if, you, if you've ever read the book of Psalms, you may have realized that the book of Psalms, it often acts as a mirror. If you think about it, you can, you can read different Psalms and you can, you can kind of see like the psalmist is just speaking as if it was your own heart cry, as if it was your own Situation it's like you're you're staring at yourself in a mirror as the psalmist offers up different prayers throughout the book of Psalms. And one psalm that I just I want to focus on today is Psalm chapter 42. And I think this psalm in particular speaks especially to the human soul and this idea of Jesus meeting us in the midst of our greatest difficulties. It's, it's unknown who exactly wrote Psalm chapter 42. Some think it was David. Some think it was somebody else. Either way, there are great truths in this psalm. This psalm is the cry of someone who has been deprived, who is, who is gone from the presence of God. They, they feel like God is not even there, and they feel like they have been forgotten by God. All these people are are, are yelling at him, you know, where's your God? You know, your your life is so horrible. He feels like he has been deprived, gone from the presence of God. The presence of God is so far from him, so he thinks. So I think that this psalm, it works to illustrate this idea that God will meet us there no matter what the circumstance is. And so the psalmist Longing to be in the presence of God and verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Amen. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. He says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? A 19th century commentator, he said, godly mourning is better than carnal rejoicing. It is a blessing to be able to mourn an absent God and to desire his presence. It is better to weep and cry for lost spiritual privilege and comforts than to be at ease with earthly comforts. In other words, it's a holy discontent knowing that there is something more than your present situation, the present situation that you are in. It's hard to understand it, it's hard to see it this way, but it can almost sometimes be a blessing. Knowing that you're not where you want to be in your walk with God, things are not what they're supposed to be. It can be a blessing because it drives us to our knees and it drives us to God. And so this psalmist says, "He says, my tears have been my food day and night. It's such, it's such a heart-wrenching picture to imagine somebody, the only sustenance, the only nourishment he has is his tears. And all the while, in his lowest, lowest moment, he's saying, people are saying to him, Where is your God? And our lowest moments, it seems, is when the enemy attacks us the most. When we are, when we are as, as far low as we can get at the bottom of the barrel, as far down as we can get, it seems that's when spiritual attack comes the most. People saying, the enemy's saying, Where is your God now? You're in despair. You're depressed. You can't do anything. Where is your God? But godly mourning is better than carnal rejoicing. In verse 4, he says, when I remember these things, when he remembers how it used to be, when he remembers how his relationship with God, how his walk with God used to be, he says, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. And they didn't have churches in the Old Testament, but... There are times whenever maybe we we lose our way and we feel like we're far from the house of God. And your soul cries out, I remember when I used to go to the house of God. I used to be there with all the saints, with all the people rejoicing and worshiping God. There's that part of your soul that cries out that wants to be in the presence of God. There have been so many times in my life where this Has been the case. That feeling that there is something more. That I'm I'm not where I should be. I want to go deeper. I want to go farther. I want to know God more. It's that holy discontent that says, As the deer pants for the water brook, So pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God. It's that longing for the presence of God When you know it's not like it used to be. I would rather be praying in the belly of the whale than to be asleep on the boat. I would rather be going through a trial knowing that God is there and that he is hearing my prayer than to not be aware of anything at all about the things of God. I would rather be in the midst of the fight, raising up a banner to God and saying, God, I can't do this on my own, Lord, but I know that you are there and that you're listening because God will meet you there every single time Jesus will meet you there when you're in the belly of the whale and you don't see a way out Jesus will meet you there if you feel like you're deprived of the presence of God you don't know where God is people are saying to you where is your God Jesus will meet you there every single time Jesus will meet you there it could have been you yourself ran from the presence of God Maybe you were ashamed, you felt guilty about something and you ran away from God. Jesus will meet you there. Or maybe somebody did something to you, you know, you can't control the situation. You feel like God is not there. Jesus will meet you there. In verse number five, the psalmist, it's, 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 it's interesting. He, he almost speaks to his own soul. He says, why are you cast down, oh my soul? He doesn't understand what's going on inside of, inside of his walk with God, his soul. That part of him that yearns for something more. That part of him that's not of the natural, world, but it's of the supernatural, his soul. He says, why are you cast down? I don't like it. How? Why is it like this? Why are you disquieted within me? Another translation says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? It's It's. It's a plight that every born-again believer has faced, That that period of discouragement, saying, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why are things not how they used to be? It's a normal part of the human experience to be melancholy sometimes. We get in these bouts of discouragement and are so frustrated that we are feeling this way. It could be from a lack of faith. It could be from an unanswered prayer, disappointment, a number of things. In the psalmist, he speaks to his soul. He says, Why are you so downcast? He's tired of his present circumstance. And in verse number eight, we get that first glimmer of hope. He says, The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. In the night, his song shall be with me. There's the literal night, and there's the spiritual night. There's the times in our spiritual walk with God, we feel like there's only darkness and that there's no light, and we don't understand what is going on. And the psalmist, he speaks to this, and he says, In the night, his song shall be with me. Of course, they didn't have the modern, you know, worship courses that we have today, but there's been so many times... In my life, or my, I feel like my soul is disquieted. It's, it's discouraged like the psalmist is talking about. And I just have to put on one of the songs that Brother Larmy plays, sings in the morning Sunday worship. I start worshiping. I start raising my hands it can be in my room, in my car. And all of a sudden, the presence of God just starts to come into that place. He is my song in the night. Because every single time you cry out to God Jesus will meet you there. You can feel like you are in the darkest night, but if you start singing the song of the Lord Jesus will meet you there. It's amazing. I just I was I was standing right there a couple moments ago and one of my favorite parts of the week is when the saints, the whole church is gathering, just having fellowship and talking and rejoicing together. And then the songs start singing and the whole church starts singing the same song. Our hearts are extended up to God. We are all, everybody faces something. Everybody's going through a spiritual battle. But if we can just get to that moment where we start singing the song through the night and Jesus will meet you there. Verse number nine, he says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? You see, because we, we can come to church and we can have a spiritual victory just like we had a couple moments ago, but as soon as we walk out these doors, as soon as we walk out from the sanctuary, those same things start coming at you again, if not even stronger than before, knowing that you just gained a victory. in the psalmist, he's, he's crying out again. He just, he just said, you'll be my song of the night. And then he's saying again, why have you forgotten me? But then we get... To the end of the psalm, he cries out one more time, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He can barely take it. The pressure is coming down on him. He is away from the presence of God. He doesn't, it's not like he used to be. He can't even feel God. He's wondering if he's even there. Why are you cast down, O my soul? But faith and hope get the last word with God. In the midst of all this, I can just see the psalmist just pinning and writing this psalm, crying out to God. And then the last phrase he puts down, for I shall yet praise him. For I shall yet praise him. I'm so discouraged, God. I don't even know what's going on, Lord. I don't even know if anyone is there for me. I don't even know if you're there for me. But the psalmist says, For I shall yet praise Him. For I shall yet praise Him. If you're going through the darkest night you've ever been to, let this be your cry. For I shall yet praise Him. I'm discouraged, my heart is sad, I don't even know if God is listening to me, for I shall yet praise him. Because every single time, Jesus will meet you there. Every single time, when you cry out your heart, for I will yet praise him. When you lift your hands, when you even know if he's there, if you just say, for I will yet praise him. Jesus will meet you there. You see, this is the end result of the troubles. Because we have this hope in Jesus, there is always hope. I don't understand how people can live without God because life is hard enough, even being a born-again apostolic believer. I don't know how you can live life without having, having that hope that Jesus will meet you there. Paul said, if we have only hope for this life, we are of all people most to be pitied but we do not just have hope for this life because we have hope for the next life. And everything that ever happens, we can know that Jesus will meet us there and it will all work out in the end. Jesus will meet you there. In the Old Testament, God's presence dwelt in the temple as we just said. The Holy Spirit had not been poured out yet, like we know it today. Jesus had not died on the cross, and that is the period of history that Zacharias was in. They still had to atone for their sins with the blood of of goats and lambs and all this stuff. They didn't. The veil had not been torn yet. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, and the temple was torn, and we can now be reconciled to God and have perfect communion with God. And the writers of Hebrews, he picks this up, and he says in Hebrews four sixteen, Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. If your soul is disquiet, if you are discouraged, you can hold on to this hope that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I just imagine a picture in my head of the throne of grace being this altar and just... Someone that having, just wanting to be in the presence of God so bad, they just run to the altar because I want to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. I remember when I first started falling in love with Jesus when I was at Bible college. You know, problems when you're in your 20s, they're just not real adult problems like a lot of people face but there's still problems in college and I remember I was going through something and I was my soul was disquieted and I, I didn't know what else to do and I was learning how to play the piano at that time and I remember I just went and laid my hands on the keys of the piano I only knew four chords and I started singing the song Lord I am broken and my life is in pieces but your strength is perfect in all of my weakness God met me there. I remember being in a chapel service at Irson College, and there was a message preached about reaching the lost, and I had this incredible burden on my heart for lost people, and all I could do was just lay on my face and cry out, and God met me there. He put that burden inside of my heart. If we could all stand in this place today as the music wants to come. How many times had Zacharias prayed that he and Elizabeth would have a child? How many times did he have to go before God and ask for a child? I can't imagine the years and every single day Zacharias getting on his knees saying, Lord, I've been praying this for five years now Lord I've been praying this for 20 years now Lord I've been praying about this for 30 years now I don't even know if you're listening I'm sure he felt like the psalmist sometimes why are you so da- downcast my soul everybody's saying to me where is your God But in one moment Zacharias prayed. And God sent an answer. Years of of praying and crying out to God and not getting an answer. In one moment, he prayed. And God met him there. I don't know what's, what's on your heart this morning. Everybody... As things that they're, that they're facing, that they're going through, that, that they, they, they want to cry out to God and they want to give it to God, but it can be hard sometimes. You don't, even, you don't even feel like God wants to hear about it. But I can promise you that every single time Jesus will meet you there. I can just see Zacharias, he's saying, God, I know I'm not even worthy. God, I don't don't feel like you hear me. God, I feel like I'm away from your presence. But right here, God, when I'm in the temple, Lord, I just want to pray and I want to cry out. And right now, we're in the sanctuary of the house of God. And I know the presence of God dwells in our hearts, but his spirit is here this morning. And maybe you feel like you're away from the presence of God. Or maybe you feel like the psalmist and you feel like your soul is disturbed. And you can't really put your finger on it. You don't even know what's going on. But Jesus will meet you there. Jesus, God. Lord, only you know, God, what's going on. All these wonderful saints' is life, Jesus. Lord, only you know, Jesus. God, we can, God, our cry is with the psalmist. God, and we're saying to ourselves, why are you so downcast? But Lord, our prayer is for I shall yet praise Him, Lord Jesus. God, whatever God the situation would be, I pray, God, that that would be our heart's cry. For I shall yet praise him. For I shall yet praise him. Because Jesus, we know, God, that you're going to meet us there every single time. And if that's you in this place tonight, would you join? Would you come to this altar? Because Jesus is waiting here because every single time Jesus will meet you there no matter the circumstance whether it was your fault or something somebody did to you you're crying out that holy discontent knowing that there's something more out there there's something more Jesus I want to know your presence like I used to know Lord Jesus I want to go back to that place God when we are in perfect fellowship Lord and perfect communion because Jesus will meet you there. Jesus is here. Lord Jesus, God. Jesus. Join with the psalmist, for I shall yet praise him doesn't matter what you did or what's going on. The past is the past. Lay it before the feet of God and say, I shall yet praise him. Give the hurt, give the pain, give the hurt and give the pain to God and say, for I shall yet praise him.